Last week, we were introduced to uh, two people, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Jeroboam was Solomon's servant. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Rehoboam was, was, like I said, was Solomon's son. He was taking over the throne of the nation of Israel upon Solomon's death. Rehoboam had gone to Shechem to be made king over all of Israel. The people came to Rehoboam. Remember what they said to him? They said, your father, uh, I'm going to summarize here, your father taxed us too much. He was a little hard on us. We, we want you to lighten the burden, if you will. And uh, Rehoboam sent him away. He said, come back in three days, and I'll tell you, tell you what we're going to do. And uh, he went to his father's counselors, and they advised him, listen, lighten up the burden. You know, give, give them a little bit what they want, and they'll serve you forever. And then he went to his, uh, his friends, so to speak, counselors with no experience in government. Nobody, they, they, were the, they, they were the ones that would tell him what he wanted to hear. And he, and he went, and their counsel to him was uh, basically, don't lighten up, make it harder for them. You know, make it a little more difficult for them. And he came back, and he met with the people after three days, and he told them, he said, my father, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. In other words, my dad was tough on you. I'm going to be tougher. My father chastised you with whips, but I'm going to chastise you with scourges. So you think it was bad under my father. You people better get in line, essentially, is what he's saying. Well, they didn't take real well to that. Rehoboam then sends his tax collector to begin collecting taxes, and, well, they stoned him. They said, we're not going to have any of that stuff, and Rehoboam kind of hightailed it out of there to, uh, back to Jerusalem. And uh, the people of the northern tribes made Jeroboam their king. Jeroboam had been told previously in a prophecy that he would be king over the ten northern tribes of Israel. The two southern tribes would remain in the family of David. He would be king over the ten northern tribes. When Solomon heard this, remember Solomon tried to, tried to kill Jeroboam and Jeroboam took off to Egypt. The people, when they were approaching Rehoboam about this about this request of uh, going a little bit easy on us, they called Jeroboam back and they had him represent them to Rehoboam. And then after Rehoboam left, uh, left uh, Shechem and went back to Jerusalem, the people of Israel made Jeroboam their king. So as it stands right now, David uh, had united Israel, but now Israel, the nation, is divided uh, into two separate, and essentially it's two separate countries. Um, what, what's taken place is the 10 northern tribes are now known as Israel. The two southern tribes are known as Judah. And throughout the book of 1 Kings, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth. So you're going to have to pay attention to who we're talking about, when we're talking about it. And just remember, although they're all Jewish, they're all Hebrew, they're all Israelites, they're, they're really essentially governed by two different organizations or two different kings. So the, you, have, you have the northern tribes of Israel and you have the two southern tribes of Judah. Now, this evening, we're going to be looking at Israel, and we're going to be looking at the beginning of Jeroboam's reign. Uh, it's important to remember that Jeroboam was given these ten tribes. It was prophesied to him, and we have to remember that God was the one that who's putting him in, in, in leadership over these ten tribes. And if you remember correctly, back in 1 Kings chapter 11, God told Jeroboam something. He said this to him. He said, so I will take you, and you shall reign over all your heart's desires. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart's desires and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you head all that I command you, walk in my ways, do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes, my commandments, and as my servant David did, then I will be with you and I'll build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. So Jeroboam's reign began with this wonderful promise of God. And basically, if we could sum it up, God said, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you 10 tribes. You're going to rule over them. Just be obedient. 
Just walk in my ways. Keep my commandments. Do what I tell you to do. It's not real hard, Jeroboam. Just keep doing, keep serving me. Just keep me on the forefront is essentially what he's saying. Seems pretty simple, right? With all this background in mind, with everything we kind of just reviewed, let's pick up in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25, and I want to read down to the end of the chapter, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. So just picking up in 1 Kings 12, 25. Then Jeroboam, that's Solomon's servant, he built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and he dwelt there. Also he went out from there, and he built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice. He made two calves of gold and said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the eighth month like the feast that was in Judah. That was the feast of tabernacles and offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel of the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel, and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense." Jeroboam gets busy right away. He starts building. He builds Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim. It becomes the new capital city of Israel. He couldn't use Jerusalem because that's, that, that's, that's where uh, Rehoboam was. That was down in Judah's territory. So he builds essentially a new capital city. And, and he also built Penuel. He's going to make, well, do you see the problem there as we read through that? Did you catch the golden calf thing? Did you catch him kind of making things up along the way? He's kind of doing his own thing here. It didn't really take him very long to deviate from God's plan, did it? So what we're going to find is, is Jeroboam's going to make three drastic mistakes that are going to lead him down this path of disobedience. He's going to make him, that are going to lead him away from the Lord. And I want you to look at the first one. Verse 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, he said in his heart, now the kingdom may return to the house of David if these people go up, after, go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of his people will turn back to their lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Notice what it says. Jeroboam said in his heart, he began to say in his heart. This means he was trying to control the people. He was worried about what? About the people leaving. In other words, here's the problem that he had. He goes, wait a minute. We're Israel. They're Judah. The temple is down in Jerusalem. I don't want the Israelites traveling down to Jerusalem to worship because if they do, if they go down there three times a year for the feasts, if they do, well, they might decide they don't like me very much. And they might decide to then go and follow uh, Rehoboam instead of following me. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to do something about that. So he's trying to control the people. He was worried about the people leaving. He's worrying about He's worrying about what might happen. He's worrying about what could happen. You ever done that? 
You ever get yourself so focused on what might happen, what could happen, that you, and it never happens, but you spent time worrying about it, and you get yourself worked? That's what he's doing. He's worrying about all this kind of stuff. Rather than relying on the promise of God, what did God tell him? I'm going to build you a nation. You're going to be like David's family. All you have to do is be obedient. Walk in my ways. Keep my commandments. Keep my statutes. But instead, now he's all work, worried about how am I going to keep this position that I've got. God put him there, and God will keep him there if he will just simply follow God's way. But now he's got a plan. If these people go back to Jerusalem, they start worshiping God down there. They're going to turn their hearts back. And they might just kill me. Remember, Israel, just because they've separated from Judah, they're not released from their obligation of the law. They're still underneath of the law. They still have to keep the feast. They still have to go to the temple. They're, 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 still, they're, 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 they're still supposed to be, they're still very much Hebrew. They're not exempt from it, but he's worried they would turn away. It kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, I don't, I don't get it. What's up, Jeroboam? God told you very clearly. God said, I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart desires. That was God's promise. You're going to reign over all your heart's desires and you shall be king over Israel. Jeroboam, you're going to be the king. Then it shall be, if you heed that I command you, walk in my ways, do what is right in my sight, keep my statutes. If you just do it, I'm going to build for you a house like I built for David, and I'll give all of Israel to you. Could it be any simpler? God said, Jeroboam, listen to what I tell you. Walk in my ways, do what's right, keep my statutes and my commandments just like David did, and I will take care of everything else. It seems rather simple, doesn't it? Well, how did he get to this place? How did he get to the place where he's, he's thinking about, he's, he's going to build golden calves, he's going to institute his own, his own worship, he's going to set up, set up new places of worship. How did he get to this place? How did he get here? Notice what it said, he began to say in his heart. He began to say in his heart, he was saying in his heart. What does it mean when, he said, when it says he began to say in his heart? He began to wonder what, what if happened. What could happen? He began to try to figure things out in his own strength. He, didn't, he, he wasn't just simply looking for the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word was, you follow me and I'll take care of everything else. That wasn't what he was doing. He was, he was worrying about this thing. He was going back in his mind. This is stuff he was thinking about. He was concerned about. He was pondering. I'm a leader. I've got to make these decisions. I've got to get all my mind wrapped around this. He's focusing on this. That was, brings us to his very first mistake. And here's what it is. What Jeroboam was saying in his heart, it did not match up with what God said in his word. What Jeroboam was saying in his heart, what he was telling himself, did not match up with God's word. Jeroboam was telling him, if the people go back to Jerusalem, then they're going to leave me. God said they wouldn't leave you if you would just follow me. In other words, there's a discrepancy there. This is one of the areas that Satan loves to work in our lives in your life. He did it in Jeroboam's life and he does it in your life too. He does it in my life too. It's real simple. Let me put it to you another way. What are the lies in your life that you believe? What are the lies that Satan and the enemy can whisper to you that you believe? What are the things that he can, you know, he can use to make you feel depressed? What are the things that he can say to you? You see, Jeroboam was believing a lie. The lie was the people are going to leave me if they go back to worship God. So therefore, I must set up a whole new institution of worship and keep them out of Jerusalem. That was the lie that he was believing. The truth that he should have been believing was God's in control. We're still going to serve God. We serve God by honoring what God has set down, and we keep the law of God. 
But instead, we do the same thing. You ever believe a lie in your life? I'm going to throw out a few. Oh, life would be better if I wasn't in this really bad marriage. Oh, marriage isn't, this is my marriage. Maybe my marriage isn't so great. Life would be so much better, it'd be so much simpler if I wasn't in the marriage. What's the truth? The truth is that God hates divorce because he knows of the hurt and the harm that it causes to his children, his people, and also the children in it. Work it out. It's better that way. Oh, life would be better if I was in a relationship. Oh, if I only had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Didn't you catch the one I just said about the people that are married? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, the people that are single, oh, if I only had a, if I only had a relationship, oh, it'd be great. Then people that are married going, oh, you don't understand how hard this is. It's difficult sometimes. That's the way that it works. What's, what's the truth? Having a boyfriend or a girlfriend, is gonna, it's going to bring a whole new set of problems, a whole new, it's a whole other thing, another part of your life. Not saying you shouldn't want one or desire a relationship, you should, but don't think that just a relationship is going to solve your problems. It won't. It's going to bring different problems. It's going to bring somebody else in the mix now. Oh, life would be great if I only had a little bit more money. If I had a little bit more money, then I could get out of debt, right? Then I could get, then I could, I could, I could get out of debt. No, that's a lie. You got into debt because you spent more than you made. And just because you have more, you're going to keep doing the same thing. The only difference is you'll still be in debt. You'll just have spent more money to get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I only had a little, oh, oh, if I could win the lottery, then it'd be great, right? No, half the people, that, more than half, they all end up broke once they win the lottery. Sure, they have fun for a few years or whatever while they're, spelling it, say, while they're spending it. What are the things that we're saying in our heart? What are the things that you, that you say in your heart? This is, where, this is where Jeroboam's problem starts, the things that he's telling himself in his heart. We have to make sure that the things that we're telling ourselves in our heart line up with the truth of God's word. And we don't, we don't believe the lies. We don't believe and we have to exchange them. It's not about how you feel. It's not about, it's about the truth. It's not about, well, I don't feel, I'm not, I don't feel happy or I don't feel, no, it's not about how you feel. It's about the truth. We have to, we have to settle on the truth of God's word. If you know and believe the truth and you remind yourself of it, it will change the way that you feel. It's very simple. If I know the truth, I believe the truth and I will tell myself the truth, it'll change the way that I feel. Well, what should we be setting our hearts on? If we're not supposed to be believing lies, what are the things that we should be meditating on? What are the things that we should be pondering? Where should we be allowing our mind to go? Oh, Philippians 4.8 tells us exactly what we should set our hearts on. It says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, it says meditate, set your heart, say to yourself these things. That's where your heart needs, that's where your mind needs to be. Those are the things that we start to tell ourselves. Is it true? Are the things that I'm telling true? Jeroboam had forgot the promises of God and he was allowing his mind to con- and his heart to control his actions instead of the Lord. God had promised to build Jeroboam a dynasty just like David if he would only continue and obey. But he's worried about what? I'm worried about losing it. Oh, I'm worried about losing what I have. Failing to remember that God would do the work, failing to remember this truth, Jeroboam began to worry. What if the people leave me? 
What if they don't like me? What if they go down to Jerusalem and they like Rehoboam better? What if the people in Judah start being more prosperous? What if they have more better houses? What if their cars, I know they didn't have cars. What if their, their donkeys are nicer? Whatever it is, you know, they begin to, I don't want to intermix them. I don't want them to be like that because they might just leave me. So look what he does. Oh, before we go there, just to kind of reiterate that first, that first mistake he made, what Jeroboam was saying in his heart did not match, did not line up with what God had said in his word. We have to be careful of that. And I'm being serious. This is the time of year where people get depressed. And they begin telling them things. Oh, nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm, I'm all alone. No one cares. That's not the truth. That's a lie. And when you believe those lies, where does that take you? When you start worrying about things that you can't control, you start worrying about things before they happen, where does it take you? It, brings, it builds anxiety. It builds stress. And, and that's the mistake that Jeroboam's going to make. And let's see where he goes with it. Verse 28. Therefore, the king asked advice. He asked for advice. On, that's a good thing on the surface. It sounds good. But the mistake that he made is we're going to see that the advice that he sought, some commentators believe he sought advice, but it wasn't godly advice. And other commentators suggest that this phrase could be translated, the king literally said, therefore the king took counsel of himself. Which means he asked himself for advice, gave himself advice, and then followed it. We don't do that, do we? You ever take your own counsel? Only, do, only take your own counsel if it lines up with God's word. God's word needs to be the thing that's counseling us. God's word needs to be the thing that we're going to. Is, is what I'm believing true? Is, is the way I'm living right? Is, or is this decision, does it line up with God's word? If, if not, don't justify it in your mind. Get rid of it. You see, a godly counselor would have said to Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the Lord promised you a kingdom just like David's. Why are you worried about what, what Rehoboam's going to do? Just follow the Lord. Stay, walk with the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord, Jeroboam. Don't, don't do all this. This is not from God. God already set up a system. He already established something. Stay there. You be obedient. Let God take care of the people. That's what a God, that's what, that would have been godly counsel. But we're going to see the type of counsel that Jeroboam got by what he did. Look at verse 28. Therefore the king advanced for advice, and he made two calves of gold, and said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people, who were not of the sons of Levi. He ordained feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar, so he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he made. At Bethel he instilled, installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he made at Bethel on the 15th day of the 18th month, and the month which he devised in his own heart. And he ordained feasts and children of Israel, and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Jeroboam wasn't really interested in what God wanted, was he? He, what was he, well, he was focusing on the people. He wasn't interested in true religion, but what did he want to create? He wanted to create a useful religion. I, I don't want what God wants. I want to create a religion that will get the people to do what I want. I want to control the people. I, 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 he wasn't interested in keeping, he was only interested in keeping his place of power. I want to, I'm not going to put this in God's hands. I'm going to take care of this. He wanted to use religion. He wanted to use God in the way it would benefit him. 
and not in the way that God had prescribed. Without faith in God's word, because that's what Jeroboam lacked. He didn't believe that God would sustain him as king if he was just obedient. Here we are, how long into his reign, and he's already building golden calves and and forming his own form of religion. We've already seen all that before. What does he tell the people? Notice notice how he appeals to the people. He says to them, I'm going to make worship more convenient for you. You don't want to go all the way to Jerusalem. I mean, that's way down south. We don't want to go all the way there. Let's make worship more convenient. As mankind, as people, don't we always like convenience? We have convenience stores. We have jiffy lubes. We have, everything is quick and easy. We want it convenient. And essentially, that's what he's appealing to. Let me make, I'm going to make church easy for you. I'm going to make it. Con- I don't want you driving too far. Now, I know they didn't have cars. Don't. But I don't want you going too far. Just relax. Let me make it convenient for you. What the people say? Sure. We have everything convenient. Prepackaged foods. One-stop shops. And he even conveniently located them, one at Bethel and one at Dan. So if you live up north, you go to the one at Dan. If you're down in the southern area, you go to the one in Bethel. You can go to the one, whichever, whichever works for you. By the way, if you, the, the, the altar, the place that he built in Dan is still there. Part On our trip to Israel, we'll actually go there, and, uh, and you can actually see the altar that, 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 that Jeroboam built, uh, had, had built there. And... Uh, Notice what he does. He makes two gold calves. Two gold calves. Not one, but two. Have we seen that before? We saw it in Exodus, right? Exodus chapter 32, when Aaron, when uh, Moses goes up on the mountain, Aaron comes down, makes the golden calves for the people to worship. And Moses says, what happened? And Aaron says, well, I just threw all the gold in the fire and out came the calf. We don't know how it happened, but we know that he had fashioned it and he had formed it. And we know that he had done that. So here, here Jeroboam makes two golden calves. Fails to believe God's word, makes the two golden calves, and he began to say, his, and it all started because his heart didn't match the truth of God's word. Because he wasn't reiterating to himself the truth. Instead of reminding himself that God will take care of this, he said, I've got to take care of this. I've got to do this. The second mistake that he made is Jeroboam didn't seek godly counsel. He didn't seek godly counsel. Remember what a godly counselor would have said to him? Godly counselor would have said, Jeroboam, don't worry about this. God's got it. But he does it. He, does it. he, he, he takes his own counsel. He goes up and he wants to do this. He, wants to make, he appeals to their convenience. He failed to believe the word of God and what, and what he began to say in his heart did not match the word of God. He didn't seek godly counsel. And the third, the third thing that we're going to see Jerob, Jeroboam do is this is how far he fell. He failed to get the counsel of God's word or the godly counselors and then he's going to begin to completely disregard the ways of God and notice the pattern here he starts telling himself things that are not true he starts believing those things which are the people are going to leave him he doesn't go to the word of God or to seek godly counsel where they point him back and say look Jeroboam just handle your business just take care of things let God handle the rest instead he begins to take matters into his own hands and he says I'm going to build a new system of worship I'm going to make it more convenient for the people so it'll be easier for them and and in doing that he is going to completely disregard the ways of God He's going to against the Lord in a couple of ways. Number one, we saw it, he built two golden calves. He built two golden calves. Notice what it says when he built the golden calves. He said, this is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Who was the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt? It was Yahweh God. It was Jehovah God, right? What does he say about the calves? This 
These calves represent Yahweh God. These calves represent Jehovah God. This wasn't the introduction of a new God. He wasn't introducing a new God to them. It was was something that they were already familiar with, but it's the perversion of the proper worship of the living God. He's perverting the worship of the living God. It was false worship of the one true God. Listen, idol worship, idol worship is when someone worships something other than Jehovah God. That's when you're, you know, you could worship a car or a little idol or go to a high place or that's idol worship. You could even worship yourself. That's idol worship. But what this is talking about, this is not what he's doing. Jeroboam is introducing false worship of the one true God so that it still has the name Jehovah God. He's still calling him Jehovah. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. This is who you're worshiping. This, this is not idol worship. We're, we're not doing that. We're worshiping God. We're just, he, what he's going to do, he's going to lead the people in the false worship of God. You can worship a false God, and you can also falsely worship the one true God. You see, God had given them a prescription for worship. God had given them the, the law. He'd give, he, the temple had been built. It, it was all laid out under the Old Testament through, for them, how, how they're supposed to worship, how their sins are atoned for. It was all specified for them. Not, they're not supposed to go out and make this, make this new system. We must worship God in spirit and truth for who God is and what he has done and not for how we're, we're feeling today or, or what, what benefits us politically. Now, this is important. Because I believe, and this is my opinion, you feel free to disagree with it if you want, but I believe that too many churches have created worship-type experiences. And in doing so, they, they're worshiping God, but they're falsely worshiping God. They're, they, they, you, you, can, you can worship God, and you can falsely worship God, and I think too often that takes the place I understand what all the, 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 the really talented worship is and the really, you know, the light projectors and the light lighting, and, and I, I get all that. And, and here's what I think happens. When you do the video screen, the light shows, and, the, and, you, and you put up these supercharged worship bands, and you put up, and you put up uh, smoke machines, and, and you try to create this worship-type experience, I think that's falsely worshiping God. Because what you end up doing is you end up watching the show. You end up watching the program. You end up going, listening to the talents of the people, and it becomes, it's, it's a great show, but it's, it's not necessarily worship. You know, and worship, worship before the Lord is not a concert. There, you can enjoy a Christian concert and have a great time, but worship in church should not mimic what you would go to on a Saturday night for a concert. Worship in church needs to be holy. It needs to be reverent. It doesn't mean we can't use modern music or, or drums or guitars and things like that, but the focus of the worship, and this is where the key is, the focus of the worship needs to be on God. Their focus of their worship was on what? The calves, the golden calves they built. The focus of worship has to be on the Lord. A worship leader has the obligation of leading people in worship. It needs to be something sacred. They're, they're, they're performing, they're, they're playing, I say, in a sense, they're playing music and they're singing, but they shouldn't be performing. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be about them is what I'm saying. No different than when, I, when you come here, hopefully it's not about me. Hopefully it's because you want to hear the word of God taught. I've done my job if you leave here talking about what God's doing and what God said in his word and not talking about me or not talking about any past. Oh, he's so funny. He makes jokes, whatever. Those, those are great ways to communicate God's word, but the people, the focus needs to be on God and his word. And the same thing true is worship. 
I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that just because a church is big and has a, has a lot of worship team and, 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 and they're good, that that's, that's, that's false worship. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying there's a fine line between what becomes false worship and what becomes true worship. And I, I think the difference is, and here's how you find out what the difference is, what is the focus? Is the focus on the people or is the focus on the Lord? Is the focus on, on what God's doing, what God's done, on his word? Is it on him? Because you ever notice sometimes you'll, you'll go to church and you'll sing a worship song and it, it seems to be your feelings towards God. This is how I feel about God. This is, you know, Lord, let me tell you how I feel and I'm broken and I'm this and I'm that. That's not really worship of God. That's a wonderful prayer, but it's not really worship. It's not you exalting him for who he is. It's you telling him how you feel. And those are great prayers and those are great songs, but that's not worship. Of, when we worship the Lord, we're worshiping him for who he is and for what he's done. Worship God, worshiping God is not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about the day you had. It's not about what's going on in your life. It's about worshiping him because he is worthy to be worshiped. And we must never, it's an easy line to blur. It's an easy line to, to cross. And, and, and again, please don't misunderstand it. I'm not saying that anybody, any church that has a, has a worship team you know, or, or a big worship team is, is worshiping falsely. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying it's something that we have to be very, very careful of. I, I pray that someday we'll have a worship team. And I pray that we'll, they'll understand what that is and, and they'll be able to, to lead us in worship that way. So Jeroboam's number three mistake is he begins to completely disregard God's ways. His, the things that he's telling himself don't line up with God's word. He fails to seek godly counsel, and now he's completely disregarding, him, disregarding God's ways. And he also, he does that by building these two golden calves. He makes shrines on high places. He made priests from every class of people. Was that supposed to happen? No, the priests were supposed to be from the Levites. That, that's, that's the priestly tribe. They didn't get an inheritance in the land. They're supposed to be the ones that, that are going to be the priests, the tribe of Levi. But no, he makes priests from every class of people. He ordains feasts. Why don't my people to feel left out because the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Succoth, it's all the same thing, or, or the Feast of Ingathering, all, all four of those are the exact same feast, are taking place in Judah. I don't want them to feel left out, so we're going to make our own feast. We're going to call it something else. We're just going to do our own thing because we want them to worship too. So he set up golden calves. He's ordained people to be priests that weren't part of God's prescription. And now he's making up worship feasts and ceremonies that, that have nothing to do with the Lord. That all, the only person they benefit is him. Yet it looks religious. It looks like he's doing the right. It, it looks good. It, oh, we're worshiping God. No, you're not. If you were worshiping God, you'd be doing it the way that God said to but they're not. They're doing it the way that he wants to. He creates this whole new way of worship. Notice what he did. It says he devised it in his own heart. He devised it in his own heart. Notice how this plan all started. He began talking to himself. What's going to happen if the people go to Judah, down to Jerusalem? They're going to leave me. They're going to kill me. You ever play it out? When you begin talking to yourself like that, it doesn't always play out in the worst possible way. I'm going to die. Oh, it's going to get bad. Oh, this could happen. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to be terrible. Don't worry about it. Let God handle it. You, you be faithful. You, obe you be obedient. You walk with the Lord and let God worry about the stuff that you can't really control. How could you be so stupid, Jeroboam? He told you, just do it right and follow me. How did it happen? Just like we said, what he said in his heart did not match up with God's word. Number two, Jeroboam did not seek godly counsel. He didn't seek God at all. 
And number three, he began to disregard the ways of God. He began to disregard the ways of God. If we're not careful, that exact same pattern will happen to us. Have you ever said those things in your heart that don't line up with God's word? You start to tell them to yourself. You start to, whatever they are, nobody cares about me. Everybody would be better off if I wasn't here. Maybe I, I guess I'm just stuck in this sin, never going to get out. There's no way I can get through this thing. Nobody, nobody at that church likes me. They don't even call me. Nobody ever, nobody doesn't like, nobody likes me there. They just want my money. You begin to start thinking of excuses and reasons. If only I could win the lottery, then I'd be so much better off. Oh, and, and you start to think of these, and, and you begin to tell yourself these things. And what happens? And you begin to start believing them. And then what happens? Well, you start, well, I guess I'm not going to go to church, and I'm not going to go down there, and oh, they don't want, really care about me. And you begin to slip away, and you get further and further and further away. What are you doing? You didn't seek the godly counsel, just like Jeroboam, and then you begin to slip away, and then you say, wait a minute, now I'm disregarding the things of God. Now, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm not even where I'm supposed to be. Listen, when you begin to tell yourself lies, and I think it's really important that a believer needs to realize what lies do you tell yourself, because it's going to be the same ones over and over again. Whatever they are in your heart, whatever it is that, that sets you back. When you begin to feel that way, when you begin to feel that, that heaviness, that depression, that whatever it is that sort of pulls you down, you have to go back to the truth of God's word. You have to go back to God's word. You have to go back to the truth. You need to go find somebody who's going to tell you the truth of God's word. Don't counsel yourself. Don't go to somebody who's going to tell you what you want to hear like Jeroboam did. Go to a godly counselor. Go find a friend that you know cares about you. And when you tend to think, well, they, don't, they haven't called me in a week. They must not like me anymore. Stop it. Don't do that. Call them and tell them you're having a hard time. Ask them to pray with you and ask them to what you should do. Let them counsel you from the word of God. Not just something that, that you, you know, that you don't, don't begin to slip away and disregard the things of God. We must replace the lie with the truth. If you don't, you're going to start to drift away. You're going to start to fall back. You're going to start to think, why bother? You're going to start to have all of those thoughts, all of those doubts, they begin to creep in. And it's one after another. It happens to everybody. There's not a person here that's sitting here tonight. And don't think that you're the only one. If you think I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself during this. It happens to all of us. Those, those doubts, those things, they creep in. And we have to learn to say, no, that's a lie. Satan is called the great deceiver, isn't he? What does a deceiver do? He tells lies, right? So wouldn't it just make sense? Think about Adam and Eve. What did he do? He deceived her. He lied to her in the garden. Why do you think that he wouldn't be lying to you? Why do I think that he wouldn't be lying to me? I need to set my mind on the things above, those things that are true, those things that, of, of God's word. That's what happens as you start to slowly slip away if you don't do that. Hopefully, hopefully somebody will see it and they'll catch it, and they'll call you, and they'll say something to you, and they'll encourage you, and they'll pick you up, they'll do something that way. Hopefully that'll happen, but if it doesn't happen, then you need to reach out to somebody. Don't allow that to keep happening. Just for review, and we'll close with a little bit of time of prayer. This is what happened to Jeroboam. What he said in his heart, what he was telling himself, did not match up with the truth of God's word. It didn't match up. He was telling himself lies. The lie was that, that he's, they're going to kill him. He'd, go, he'd played it all out. They're going to keep going back and forth. They're going to like him better. Then they're going to kill me. That wasn't what God said. God said, I'll take care of you, Jeroboam. And the same types of promises apply to us. Number two, he didn't seek God, and he didn't seek godly counsel. 
He didn't go, Lord what, do I, you know, Lord, what do I do in this situation? Here's what I'm worried about. Lord, I'm really worried that these people are going to forget about me. Oh, that's right. You promised me you'd take care of that. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for bringing that to my, my memory. He didn't go to his friend, his, his, the prophet, or the, somebody that would give him godly counsel. Hey, listen, this is what I'm worried about. I'm worried that the people are going to go back to, to Rehoboam. Ah, don't be so silly, Jeroboam. God gave you a promise. He's going to make your house like David if you'll just follow him. That's what we need to hear. And number three, those two steps led him to completely disregard God's word. He, he created a religion out of convenience for the people. And he called it. He didn't give them a new God. He just told they were falsely worshiping Jehovah God, Yahweh God. He completely disregarded the ways of God. He made up his own feast, made up his own sacrifices, did things his way, all out of convenience. All of this because he was afraid the people would go to Jerusalem and turn away from him. Had he just held on to the truth of God's word? Had he just held on and said, God said, God said, then it would have been fine. He'd have never had, none of this would have happened. They would have kept coming to Jerusalem. Could, could, it have, could it have reunited the nation? Who knows what it could have done. But instead, it's going to be one ungodly king after another for the northern tribes. So before we close, I want to do this. I want to take just a few minutes, and I want you to reflect on these three things. What are you saying in your heart? What are you telling yourself? Does it line up with God's word? Is it a truth or is it a lie? If it's a lie, throw it out. Get rid of it. Put God's word in its place. Number two, do you need to seek God on something tonight? Do you need godly counsel? Is there something, are you, are you at this place where you're struggling, you need to seek godly counsel? Number three, are you in a place, are you, have, you been to, have you disregarded God's ways? You know, the wonderful thing about our Lord is we've probably all been at step three at some point or another, but all we have to do is go back to him. All we have to do is repent and turn away and say, Lord, forgive me. And repent means to turn away from, means that you don't keep going in the same direction. It means to turn around 180 degree spin. So I'm no longer going in that way. So regardless of where you're at, whether you're in step one, step two, step three, regardless of how far you've come, it can all be changed tonight. That's the wonderful thing about the Lord. He said, I'll forgive you. I don't want you there. God says, I don't want to leave you in a place like, I want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you. I got work for you to do. I got, I got people that you need to share about. I got, I got stuff for you to do. I need to build you up and strengthen you. I'm not going to leave you there. Don't let yourself be stuck there tonight. So let's just take a few minutes and go before the Lord and you know, see where you're at. Father, as we come before you now in prayer, Lord, just speak to our hearts. Would you minister to us? Would you uh, penetrate our heart, Lord? As we consider those things, what have we been telling ourselves? Does it line up with your word? Lord, we need your counsel all the time. Lord, we don't want to disregard your ways. And if we have been disregarding your ways, would you show us how? And may we repent from that and fall back in line, back in obedience to you. So go before the Lord now and see what he might have to say to your heart tonight.